Hey there, Wolfpack fans. It's me again, Kenton Gibbs, bring you another episode of Locked On Wolfpack. And I got my main man, Grayson, back. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, do we have some news for y'all. But before we bring you that news, we've got to talk about the upset of Duke. And we're going to get into our women being upset because we, we can't just tell you one side of the coin now. We can't just tell you one side of the coin. But we have an excellent show for you all today. And we're going to get into all things NC State sports, including something that should have maybe already happened. It was, it was discussed that it was going to happen. But from what I'm hearing, the, 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 the ink is finally drying. But I, 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 it's hard for me to contain my excitement. So I, I'm going to just play the intro. And me and Grayson are going to be back in just a minute to talk all things Wolfpack here on today's episode of Locked On Wolfpack. Our Locked On Wolfpack, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Grayson, how you doing, Big Tom? Kenton, what's going on, my man? A uh, big win on Wednesday. Can't wait to get into that. Uh, I'm doing well. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, too. As the old phrase goes, everybody's working for the weekend. And at the time that this is recorded, it, it is already the weekend. So some of y'all might already have a couple of old toughies down. Uh, and that's all right with us. Now, I know that's right. We, when, we, when we talk about this upset, okay, we, we talk about a, a game that was not really up for debate, wasn't really much of a question, a wire-to-wire domination that started off with a 20-2 run. Tell me, how did this game happen? How did NC State so thoroughly dominate this Duke team? I did mention the other day it was imperative that we caused havoc, and boy, did we do that. Duke had 21 turnovers, extremely uncharacteristic of any Duke team, regardless of its Coach K uh, or now John Shire at the helm. But, wow, unbelievable start. You know, I uh, I believe it was when uh, Jarkel Joyner came down the floor and hit the three to make us go up 13-0, I was like, oh, it's, this is one of these games, huh? It was uh, it was very reminiscent of uh, the 2020 home game. Where we whooped them that time, too. Um, Duke just looked all out of sorts the whole night. The whole night. It was awesome. And, you know, you talk about creating havoc and all that, but I, I think another thing that really went into this was our ball movement. The moment you talk about the three that Jarkel hit, which was a, a huge deal. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But I want to talk about the three that Taquavian Smith hit off the uh, steal where, where Jarkel joined us, bringing it up court. And he fakes like he's going to do the stop and pop three. He drives in and gets all of the Duke defense focused on him, kicks it out to baby T in the corner, swish, knockdown. And I'm like, oh, this team is different because Jarkel joined us a different type of point guard than we've seen since maybe Cat Barber was the last one to have his type of impact. But I don't even think that Cat Barber, in terms of playmaking, is or was what Jarkel Joyner is. And so, you know, that that was a moment where I'm like, you know what? Even if I hope that this team doesn't choke this game away, but even if they do, we've got to give some credit to this here point guard. And then when when Joyner hit the three going in the half, I say, yep, 
This is our night. Everything's going right for us. This is just our night. It's going to work out. We're going to walk away with a win here. Very reminiscent, like I said, of the 2020 game, except this time it was Jarkel at the buzzer instead of Markel at the buzzer. Uh, exactly. But what a, what a finish to that first half. You know, that's that was one of the most complete first halves of NC State basketball I've seen in some time, probably since the last time we played Duke uh, at home, which was 2020. But, uh, yeah, I mean, wire-to-wire finish, unbelievable. I think Baby T had 24, Jarkel mm-hmm. had 21. DJ Burns, let me talk about some DJ Burns. You know, with Mahorchich going down uh, about a month ago now with that knee injury, for DJ to step up in his absence, I believe he's averaging, I think it's 13 and a half uh, in the six games without Mahorchich. Unbelievable. And you want to talk about being a fan favorite every time he touches the ball. Uh, I, I couldn't help but crack up every time they fed him inside and he would somehow spin and get another bucket. Uh, I couldn't, they had no answer for DJ last night. So uh, unbelievable game. And then I also want to talk about Casey Morsell. I mentioned how important it was to get him going the other day. He really didn't have to get going because he only finished with eight points, but something he really stepped up with is the rebounding. He had 10 boards. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I mentioned the other day, it was important that we crashed the boards against Duke. Duke is arguably one of the better rebounding teams in the ACC. We were missing Mahorchich. We were missing Jack Clark, which is our number one and number two rebounders. We out-rebounded Duke. Unbelievable yeah. effort. Yeah. And and uh, let me go back to DJ Burns for a second, because when you think about DJ Burns' game, when you think about what makes him special, what makes him a player who's deserving of a lot of minutes, you go to what you were talking about, the post moves, the silky smooth game underneath. You know, he's he plays a low-to-the-ground game, but he is efficient. And he has, uh, in the words of Stephen A. Smith, uh, he has multiple moves dedicated to memory. He has multiple that he can go to whenever he gets that ball in the post. But in this game, the rim protection from DJ Burns, a guy with a vertical that you could probably slide a piece of paper under and that's it. Four blocks. Four blocks, Four blocks in this game. That is the type of stuff that, that makes this team it gives me excitement for this team. And I'm going to say this. Jeremy Rose said that, you know, uh, Duke didn't have as much urgency because that NC State was desperate for a win. And this is how a team desperate for a win plays. And and I, I part of me just laughed and thought to myself, baby, the best teams know that everybody's going to be desperate for a win every time they play. Them. You know, Clemson didn't have a, what was it, 37 home game win streak because no team was desperate for a win when they came in there. That's not how that works. It works in a way that if you show up and do what you're supposed to do and you are the better team, you'll win a ball game. But in this game, it it was, again, wire to wire. NC State did their thing. And I'm, I'm going to say this last thing here. And I, I, I don't – I hate the way that many people, pundits and, and fans alike, are spinning this as like, oh, well, congratulations on beating the worst Duke team in X amount of years. Is it really – don't give me that. Is it, is it really? Is it because I mean, let's let's not forget there were times during Coach K's last stretch where we were like, "Yeah, it really is the end. Yeah, this thing is winding on down, isn't it?" And so to sit here and say, "Oh yeah, this is a, the worst Duke team that there's been in years." I mean, sure, you could you could make that argument, but at the end of the day, guess what? You still lost. Nobody cared when it was uh, when it was. Coach Doran getting beat up on our our first, my first year at NC State when it, nobody was like, oh, this is the worst state team there's been in years. It was just, you know, ECU was bragging about beating us and, and whooping on whooping the wheels off us. Nobody said, hey, 
that's the worst state team you'll play in years, see in years. It was just, we beat them. And, and so I would hope for that energy to be returned today. We took an L, but you know, that's, that's just how the cr- cookie crumbles sometimes. And um, if the worst Duke team in years has a win over a top 15 team, then, you know, I, I, I think that that's a very, very interesting way to phrase that. Now, going forward, what do you think this game means to the team? So the other night I called this our quote-unquote Super Bowl for the season. <laughs> now that we've won that Super Bowl, I think it makes the next couple games even more important. Uh, so something I want to make light of, well, not make light of, but make sure it's known, this game has to be used as a propeller. Mm-hmm. If, you know, we beat Duke. That's great. That's great. They're, they were ranked. It's a rivalry game. Great. We have to use this as a springboard. We have to go and play Virginia Tech in Blacksburg this coming Saturday. Huge game now. Because now that we've shown uh, one of my favorite Keats quotes from the other night, he told the team, know what you're capable of. Because the cool thing about beating Duke like that, I didn't feel like it was a fluke. I didn't feel like it yeah. was a game where we came out and we just got hot and we were causing you know ruckus. I feel like we could provide that effort basically every night. You know, you've seen flashes, you know, against the cupcakes earlier in the season, but I felt like this is a repeatable performance. And so knowing that we got to, we got to go into Virginia Tech and take it to them. They're on a three game skid right now. So they're looking for a get right game. I cannot, we cannot let them have that. We got to go in and turn up the heat on them. And the, the, the very interesting thing about that is people looked at this stretch and said, oh man. NC State's going to be in so much trouble if they lose to Clemson. We just don't know what's going to happen because you got Duke, then Virginia Tech, then Miami, then Georgia Tech, then the boys in baby blue. And people were like, oh, well, this, that Georgia Tech game may be the only one that they can snatch out there. And yet all these other teams are looking a little worse and a little worse and a little worse. And I'm going to tell you this. I think that this was repeatable as well because the things I saw in that game, you know when you're watching a basketball game, and the team just can't miss. Like, they're, everything that they're doing is going in. Everything that they're doing is working. But this was a game in which, I mean, let's just put the cards out on the table. There was not a, a an effort from deep that I'm like, oh, this is world beating. This is, you'll never see this again. They shot 38, basically 39% from deep. Like, that's not something that you're like, that's the craziest thing, and they'll never shoot like that again. And even if they didn't shoot that well from deep, Okay, they won by 20. Like this team won by 20. So you're you're not looking at again, if when a team shoots like 50 50% or more, I'm like, oh, that team just got hot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's nothing you could do. You just gotta tip your cap and say, hey, you know, anytime you hit 30 or 15, 23s against us and shoot 40%, 50% from the three. Hey, 60%, which Duke did against the women's basketball team, you shoot 60% from deep, you're going to win that ball game. That's just how that's going to work out. But this was a game in which there were multiple ways where NC State was scoring and multiple ways that we were getting stops. Because we've seen in the past situations where we got turnovers, we generated turnovers. However, whenever we did not get a turnover, it was a bucket. And in this game, again, shout out to DJ Burns, the rim protection was there at a very high level. Now, and this is the the thing that I want to say going forward about this team. When you are talking about this stretch, if you can come out of this stretch where everybody said it was going to be brutal and, you know, you had to have good momentum coming in, if you can go into that stretch and dominate, 
I think you you have to come out of that feeling not just good, great about yourselves as a team. If you come out of this stretch four and zero, three and one, maybe even two and two, but with a win over Duke and the boys in baby blue, you've got to walk out of that and say to yourself, "We all right. We can do something here." What say you, Grayson? Yeah, well, another one of the favorite clips I saw from the other night, or I guess it was technically the next morning, Thursday morning, uh, is when they were in the weight room. This video has since been deleted, probably because of what was said, but uh, the strength coach, uh, Pat Murphy, he basically said, I don't give a blank about whatever. We're on to Virginia Tech. Uh, and so, yeah, w- with this with this tough stretch, you ticked off a huge first box here with Duke. Now you have the momentum, or at least you should keep building momentum. You got to go into Virginia Tech. If you come out with a win, great. Because then you got Miami right after that. There's there's no time to sit around and say, oh, we did it. We beat Duke. There's so many more games that are increasingly important now that we've ticked off this first one. Absolutely. And that's ACC basketball for you, right? Like everybody, you know, during football season, everybody loves to talk about how terrible the Coastal is, which they are. I mean, let's just be honest. The Coastal was just a, a god off of the division. But you look at, Everybody talk about during the uh, football season, oh, the ACC is a weak conference. It is not talk. Try to say that in basketball. I, I dare you. I double dog dare you. I could name at least at least two Power Five conferences that if you put this Florida State team in, as banged up as they've been, as hard as it's been for Pep to just get the same starting lineup for four or five games in a row, I am telling you that team would be above five hundred in that conference, and yet. And yet in the ACC, it's looking like, man, they're struggling, they're bottom feeders, all that good stuff. So this is the nature of the ACC. And not only that, this is the nature of what it should be for Keats if there is any hope for him. If there is any hope for him being a winner, building something here, you have to do it consistently. Wins against uh, rivals, wins in in the the triangle, in the three teams in the triangle. Wins in that regard cannot be the aberration, can't be – Oh, my God, we did it. We're not going to do anything else now because we did the thing because that's not the thing. The thing is raising the floor. That's the thing. You've got to do that first. Then the next thing, raising the ceiling. It going from, okay, we are a a team that is all right to being a team that, hey, a couple chips fall our way. We're going to make a deep run in this tournament. We're going to do great things in the tournament. A couple things go our way. We're going to be one of the top teams in the ACC. And then you set the expectation where now it's like, hey, you know it. NC State's going to be there every year. And like I said, Williams retired, K retired, Keats, there's an opportunity. It's got to be now. There's an opportunity here. So that's that's just my thought on that. And, and, you know, we're going to leave that right there because, again, we got some some big, big news that I don't know if it'll be broken or not by the time that we're uh, recording this thing, but we got some news. For y'all good folks, because trust me, Wolf Nation, I don't tell you what I think. Y'all know me. I don't tell you what I've, I've heard. I tell you what I know. I get the job done. And speaking of getting the job done, let me tell you about LinkedIn Jobs. It is the place to be when you want to make the hires that you need to make faster. As a small business owner or hiring manager in 2023, all of this year, all of how you're going to perform is dependent upon the team members you surround yourself with. I'm telling you this as a tech recruiter who uses LinkedIn jobs often, it helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go, they go above and beyond resume data by using insights from your job posts 
and matching that with their over 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of most qualified candidates. LinkedIn, LinkedIn jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus competitors. So LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions do apply. Now, folks, I don't know if I told y'all this or not on the show. I originally heard that Brennan Armstrong was supposed to be coming to state as soon as Anai got hired. I heard uh, very quickly afterwards that, you know, I don't know how it worked out. You know, I'm, I'm sure that everything was done by the book. Of course, you know, everything was done legally and above board. I'm sure. I'm sure nobody reached in and did any type of tampering of any sort because we don't do that here at NCZ. And with that being said, as you can see, the timing of that implies that there was no tampering, right? If he if he was talking when when he when they joined, that's not tampering. So with that being said, um I'm I'm fairly certain that by the time this is is uh up. We may have some papers for Brendan Armstrong. What would that pickup mean for this team? Yeah, so I did see a bunch of a uh, bunch of tweeting uh, about some Brendan Armstrong about thirty minutes before we hopped on here. Uh, it sounds like it is all but confirmed at this point. Essentially, uh, he mm-hmm. did have his official visit here Wednesday, but uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my piece on Brendan Armstrong. Um, there's been a lot of people skeptical about him coming in. Hand up, I've been one of those people. Uh, I'm kind of nervous about his uh turnover proneness i think Mm -hmm. he's a little little pick happy if you ask me but um i can't say that without also acknowledging that he is quite an an offensive talent uh he did put up numbers under robert and i at uva um he would be a good quarterback for mj to learn under uh if mj doesn't in in turn decide to stay um he he's going to be some sort of spark one way or another for this offense, especially after the year that we just watched. Um, so if he comes here, obviously I'm going to be behind him. I'm going to root for him. Uh, as skeptical as I have been, uh, I do think it is a net positive uh, if we do indeed land Brennan Armstrong. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. When he had a nine in, in at, at uh, UVA, it was night and day. To what it was last year, right? So if you look at his two years, you're looking at nine touchdowns again, one interceptions. If you look at the year without a nine, you're looking at seven touchdowns against 12 exceptions. Like there, you know what I mean? It's not too much that I can say in terms of eh, what could be the cause of this massive drop off. Also, some other things that were going on at UVA around that time, and, and not talking about the tragic shooting that occurred there, but I legitimately mean bringing in a new coach, having a situation where, you know, you're kind of dealing with the situation of are you trying to fit square pegs in the round holes and all that. That's never really great, especially for a, a veteran quarterback who's, you know, used to playing a certain style, used to playing a certain way. You know, it, it's always going to kind of lead to a little bit of, of trouble there. And so to see things play out the way they did, it was disappointing. But, you know, I yes, Brendan Armstrong takes some of the blame for that. I'm not completely absolved. I'm going to say I'm not worried at all because it is a possibility that his, his year continues or that he continues what we saw last year. It's a possibility. But I think that that year was the 
separation and not the rules. I think that for the most part, he has been a consistently good quarterback. And here's the other part. Here's the other part that really excites me about this. He and MJ Morris are both dual threat guys, meaning you do not have to redesign the playbook if something were to happen to Brendan. You don't have to, oh man, you know, what what a time. We just got to, it's already there. You already have an offense in place that's going to take advantage of your QB's ability to uh, use his legs and, and gain some ground. So to me, I think that this is a massive pickup for the Wolfpack. Again, I, and I'll, I'll say this for a lot of people saying, well, what would you want him if it, if it costs you MJ? I think if MJ has half a brain, it, it would make a lot of sense for him to stick around in NC state, because if you are transferring, then if you're transferring at this point in the portal, right? Where most teams, most of the power five already got their quarterback. They already got their guy. And even the group of five, a lot of them have their quarterback, have their guy. If you're transferring at this point, you're going to play somewhere that is, with all due respect, less of a pedigree than what you have at NC State. And and you would be doing all that for basically one season. You would be doing you would be doing that because you would lose one season at NC State. And really, you wouldn't even lose a season of eligibility because if everything worked out, you could play the first four games or whatever and then red shirt the rest of the year. And again, you'll be dressed out. You'll be, you know, with the team and all that. But you just won't be the guy right now, which, I mean, we saw the talent. We saw that it's obvious he's a really good player. But why would you say to yourself, well, I'm going to go ahead and head on down to FIU to start right now instead of waiting a year at state and then coming out and being the best thing smoking with two years under my belt of being under the same offensive coordinator with an entire off season of being the guy with an entire off season from the day that that lasts, whatever, wherever Brendan Armstrong takes us, if he is going to be the, the starter, wherever he leads us, right? The dead last whistle, the dead last snap, whatever it is that happens with that season, Immediately after, there will be no question about who's the quarterback, who's the guy, who's the heir apparent. It's you. It's you. And you've got up to three years if you want to use them. And if you have a world-beating year, if you turn on something crazy and become a Heisman candidate or something like that, and you want to go to the league, you can do that as well after your, your year of starting. So to me, everything makes sense for MJ to stay. I'm just saying... I don't think that there is a, a ton of sense or reason at this point to get in the transfer portal. But, you know, with with guys between 18 and 22, I made a lot of bad decisions between 18 and 22. Grayson, I'm sure you've done the same to some extent. Hey, and man, so, don't look at me. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. See, Grayson, Grayson's the good kid. He, he never nah. made the mistakes that I made. It's all right. It's all right. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll own that. But anywho, um, I, I, I would sincerely hope that, you know, he would do the things that, and again, this isn't even from an NC State perspective because there's a lot of guys that I, you know, what's best for NC State ain't what's best for them. Like for Drake Thomas, for example, if anybody asked me, should he go to the draft? I would say absolutely. What what more can he prove? What more can he do at NC State to win over scouts or whatnot? When we talked about Peyton Wilson, what did I say? He did stay the solid. He did stay the solid because he there's nothing – there's nothing serious that he can gain in the material uh, in terms of, you know, his draft stock or whatever by staying at NC State. 
unless he has a year of perfectly flawless health, which we've seen with all due respect, it's likely not going to be the case. So I'm always going to tell you what's best for players. I'm always going to tell you, yes, this is locked on Wolfpack. It's not locked on MJ Morris, but I'm telling you the reality is what's best for him and what's best for the Wolfpack have a lot of overlap in this situation, in my estimation. Yeah, I do think the silver lining to this, and it's the basically the reason it's got me starting to sing a, a different tune here, is that they are both dual threat and that whatever Brennan is learning here, you're going to want MJ to also learn because you hope in turn that MJ will be able to replicate a an effective Brennan Armstrong offense that we saw in 2021. So I'll eat my words. I think it's a good pickup now, uh, but he's gonna have to, he's gonna have to show it. It can't oh, just be absolutely. a big pickup and then he comes out and lays an egg. Can't have that. Uh, absolutely. But I, I think uh, I think this could benefit us. Absolutely. And, and again, we we learned last year you can never have too many quarterbacks. You can never have too many. You can never have too many good quarterbacks on your roster um, because you know four different wins by four different starting quarterbacks. It, it's only possible if you got a lot of good guys on your roster. And we know the defense, as far as the linebackers go, as far as losing some of the safeties that we lost as well, it there will probably be a slight drop-off, right? We love Gibson. and Gibson, we trust. There will very likely be some drop-off there. And the offense is going to have to, even if there was no drop-off in the defense, even if the defense comes out next year and makes me eat those words, and it's even better than they were this year, the offense still has to be light years ahead of what they were at times this year. The offense cannot be anything near what we saw against Maryland. The offense cannot be anything near what we saw against Boston College, a team that was giving up 30 per game in conference that we couldn't, we mustered 20 against. It, it can't be that. It can't be that. So again, this this pickup of, of Brendan Armstrong, you know, hopefully we don't end up looking like Swim Swam when they said that uh, Florida State was going to, uh, to, what was it, the SEC? Was that where they said they were? Yeah. Hopefully we don't end up looking like them here because, again, we have some reliable sources that locked on Wolfpack. And, again, I don't tell you nothing that we just heard or that we just think or feel or hope happens. I say I hope it happens if I'm hoping it happens. But this one looks like it's uh, a done deal. Oh, man, I'm, I'm going to miss saying that after the field goes, too. Shout out to Chris Dunn. Anywho. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. I'll, I'll make it quick. But can we please give our flowers to Chris Dunn? Oh, absolutely. He NCAA record holder of field goals made, the ACC points leader, the greatest kicker in NC State history. Please know what we just had while we had it. We probably will never see an NC State kicker like this again. I hope we do, but that's a big ask. So please make sure that you have appreciated Chris Dunn's time here in Raleigh. Sorry, that was a tangent. Oh, you're fine. And I'm going to tell you this. NC State has actually had a really good run of kickers. Whether we realize it or not, we've had a pretty good run because the kicker before him was Nicholas Sadie. And Sadie was pretty good. Sadie was pretty good. uh, Auschka played in the NFL for a bit. And and that's what I'm saying. There was a pretty good run of kickers for NC State. You know what I mean? And it's rare to say that on a college. It didn't always feel that way at times. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There was because. The 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 Bambard interlude in there kind of, you know, there were some moments. There were some, and again, hate to do it to a fellow Michigander. Kyle, you know I love you, baby. You know I love you, brother. But uh, it was that that. But Sadie to to uh, to 
um my man done is is that's that's a pretty good pretty good uh that's pretty good eating right there as far as kickers go we'll be right back to talk women's basketball and the uh letdown against bc in just a second folks so we're back and you know it's so it's so unfortunate to see what's happening with not just NC State, but with the players that have transferred out of NC State that are just like, they're not just on teams doing decently. These are ballers that are dominating in the highest order. I mean, we talked about Genesis Bryan on the last episode and her being a Big Ten player of the week and how much we could have used a playmaker who I think that her playmaking abilities exceed that of Diamond Johnson. I don't think she's the same player the same style of player, but in terms of playmaking, I think she has that over Diamond. But Dontavia Wagner, absolutely, I believe that was her career high in points against us. It's, oh man, you know, we we go up to BC and, and, and we take an L there and, or I'm sorry, BC comes to Reynolds actually, comes to Reynolds and, and you know, we take an L at home in uh, Diamond Johnson's first game back. It's, it's tough. But this team has to figure it out. Again, the ACC, the only thing tougher than ACC men's basketball is ACC women's basketball. It is a an absolute slaughterhouse as far as what you're looking at for who's good, who's not all that good stuff. Just for reference, the girls in Baby Blue have lost four straight. They've lost four straight. The Virginia team that everybody used to kick around, they're 12-2. and two. That this is this is the conference. This is what the conference is as a whole. And you know, you look at that game and it just it seemed like it was so difficult for us to get a stop, but even more difficult than that was us scoring off an assist. All of our points basically, it felt like if if somebody wasn't scoring in ISO or something along those lines, it just wasn't gonna happen. And that's no that's no way to play. You're you're never gonna have a, a good outcome when that's the reality here. Like it's, that's just not, it's not a recipe to win. And, you know, I trust Westmore because he's proven he's a winner. He'll circle the wagons. But again, it just, it hurts to see the players that we, you know, couldn't keep going on to do such great things against us. Do I wish Miss Wagner the best of the best every, every other game? Do I hope that she drops 30 on everybody else? Absolutely. Absolutely. But against us, maybe not. What do you think about the uh, loss to um, Boston College at home here? Yeah, uh, much like the circus, I think there are multiple elephants in the room. Um, Wes Moore has been a bit critical of the effort and attitude of this team recently. I think this is a team that is kind of just now running into the growing pains of losing four big names last year in Cunane, Jones, Crutchfield, and Perez. Um, The offense just feels stale. Uh, the ball handling is leaving a lot more to be desired. Um, it was nice to have Diamond Johnson back. She put in her 18 points and that was good, but even that was not enough. So we're, we're kind of looking around and the seniors, I kind of expected a bit more leadership to be quite honest with you. Uh, we're kind of looking for somebody to step out of the shadows here and say, you know what? We got to get going. We got to get going again. Um, so who that's going to be, I guess we're going to have to find out, but, they don't have much time to figure that out because they have a big six-game stretch coming up, uh, starting with UVA, UVA at home this Sunday. 
then I'll just read through it real quick. They go at Florida State. They're currently 15-2. and two. That's a tough road mm-hmm. game. We mm-hmm. go uh, down the street to the, the girls in baby blue. They've had our number in recent years, unfortunately. Uh, yep. I, I believe it On was the, road the, two years, the two years that we had an undefeated record. They snapped it both times. Uh, so maybe we owe them one. But uh, then we have Miami here at home. That's a home game. Must win. Got to have it. Then we go to Louisville. Now, they're not exactly the Louisville of the past couple of years, the Louisville that we've seen in the ACC title game. It's still Louisville. Uh, that's going to be a game we have to go and show up to. And then we got big, bad Notre Dame coming to Raleigh. Absolutely. Nothing Absolutely. more really needs to be said for that one. I mean, that's that's going to be an uphill sled fest for you. So and I, they don't I, have I, time to sit around and look around and point fingers. Somebody's got to step up. It's got to be now. Um, like you said, I, I do put my faith into Westmore. I think if anyone's going to figure out, it's probably going to be Westmore. Uh, mm-hmm. But we're going to have to see something here pretty quick. And and I'm going to – and, you know, you're saying that you don't want to, this team to point fingers or anything like that? Well, thank God I'm not on the team because there are – there is one player in particular I need to see more from. I need – right, I'll, I'll let you point the fingers. I need <laughs> to see more from Jakea Brown-Turner. This is a team that lost four starters, four pretty much stars in the game, four players who were massively impactful. You're getting more touches. The team is relying on you more. And yet you're doing worse at everything except for free throw shooting and your personal fouls per game. The worst three-point shooting percentage of your career. The worst field goal percentage of your career. More turnovers than you ever had. And the um, in, in terms of assist numbers, tied with where you were last year, which is below what you were in 2021. If we get, I'm sorry, 2020, 2021. If we could get that... 2020 2021 player back that was averaging 14 5 and 2 if we could get that player back shooting 44 percent from the field 37 percent from deep if we could get that player back to some degree or even i don't know a grow a a a more mature better version of that that is something that would help this team immensely because she's a player that can score at every level she's a player that has the experience that you know i i say this I played out of high school in Cast Tech that we had a lot, a lot of guys transfer in because there was a lot of things going on with schools around the city trans- shutting down. And, you know, when you when you win a lot, naturally guys are going to want to come play ball with your team and, and so on and so forth. Same with the women here. The reality is this. When you have a lot of folks transferring in, your leaders have to lead. Your program, your day one Guys and gals, your day one women, they have to say, hey, this is the standard here at NC State. And this is not any disrespect to any of the transfers. This is not any any knock or anything against them. What What I'm saying is, if you are or have been a part of the back to back to back ACC championships, I believe we three-peated, right? Yeah, back to back to back. If you are a part of that back to back to back, ACC championship run. If you are a part of that and know what it takes and know what the standard is, again, no disrespect to Sanaya Rivers and River Baldwin. They've been two of our best players this year. They've been two that we can count on the show up. You have to set the tone. You have to set the tone for this is how we play the game. This is who we are. This is our effort. This is what we do. When I play the cast, Coach Richard said, we don't coach effort. We don't coach energy. 
We don't coach focus. We, I got you for two and a half, three hours a day. That's all I get with you. You better be locked in and ready to roll. And if we're talking game day and the effort not being there, that's a culture problem. But we know that Wes Moore does not, he doesn't, the, the culture can't be placed upon him. Because we shouldn't be having that problem right now. Exactly. We shouldn't be having that problem. So to me, when you look at a culture problem with a coach like Wes Moore, who's been here for as long as he's been, I'm going to look at the seniors first. I'm going to look at the seniors and say, hey, um, what's going on there? What's what's happening here? You know, you're you're the gals. You're the guys. You're you're the ones who, you know, you've been in this program for a while. You need to show in everything you do, in all the ways we do it, what it looks like to be a championship team. And at this moment, we look good. Don't get me wrong. We look like we could get to the round of 32. Maybe if if the drawing goes right, the Sweet 16, maybe, possibly. We don't look like the teams of the past in that at, at regardless of skill level, regardless of like even if we go back to the days of, of uh, Myra Spencer and Dominique Wilson, those teams – one thing that you would not criticize that NC State team, those NC State teams for, they didn't have the effort. They didn't have the attitude to win. So the seniors, I'm looking at you, Jada Boyd. I'm looking at you, Jakea Brown-Turner. I'm looking at the folks who've been in this program for years, three, four years now. If if there's any problem with culture, y'all need to say in everything you do, y'all don't know which way to go. I'll make it easy. Follow me. Come on. I'm going to show you how to get there. I'm going to show you how we get down. And lead by word and by deed. Well, you know, everybody's not a talker. Maybe you don't lead by word, but lead by deed at least. That's that's the minimum. That is the minimum of what I need. So that's just my thoughts there. Yeah, I mean, I, I echo all of that. Somebody, especially the seniors, you got to step up and be seniors. Uh, all these underclassmen and transfers, they're looking for they're looking at you who has been in this program, who's won the championships. You are the standard. You got to let them know where that line is uh, or else – you know, who knows where the rest of the season will go from here if we don't step in and make that change now. Yeah. And the most confusing part about it being the seniors and I understand and and I believe that with the COVID year, all of our seniors are going to get an extra year. I believe that that'll be the case and that if they want to, Jakea Brown Turner and Jada Boyd have the option to come back for another year. I believe so. Is that that's how the COVID year works, right? Like. I Everybody can play through the COVID year. Like if you were on a roster during the COVID year, you get an extra year of eligibility, correct? Or that part is true. Um, okay. I so want to say that this could be it for Jada Boyd, though. I think she was a question mark even coming back for this year. Right, um, right. And then she did end up coming back. But I want to say this could be it for Jada Boyd. Um, Jakea Brown-Turner, I'm not exactly sure. She might have that one extra year still. Okay. Well, either either way you cut it, either way you slice it, the reality is simple here. The seniors need to leave. There needs to be more urgency. There is all, like you said, there's always this kind of feeling watching the game of like everybody's waiting on somebody to make a play. No, you go make the play. You be the player. You know what I mean? And that's, again, for the players who've been here for a while, I look at you more heavily for if, if something's not getting done, why than anybody else, right? It's just like in, in my family, when I bought home a 3.0, my mom would look at me like, oh, that's not enough to get me off your back. But when my sister did it, she said, hey, you did a great job. And I would always get mad and say, mom, why is her 3.0 better than mine? And she say, that 3.0 is the best she can do. That 3.0 for you is you were slacking off and, you know, goofing off and not paying attention and whatever, whatever, whatever. It's the same for these players. We need to see, again, in terms of the culture, 
Y'all have to set that 3.5, 4.0 standard. You have to set that. You have to go live in that realm. That's what champion, that's where champions live, period. That's where champions live. And that's just the end of that. And uh, I'm sorry for monologuing here. Sorry for running a little long on this episode, but I'll tell you, I'm just as passionate. Really, I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm a little more passionate about uh, NC State women's basketball than I am about the men's because, again, back-to-back-to-back champions. They're doing the winning. <laughs> you're, you're really, exactly. I'm, I love winners. I'm a winner. I, I love winning. Every time, I promise you, this is a fun fact that the viewers of, of Locked On Wolfpack, you know this about me if you heard me talk about the uh, episode when we lost to Boston College. I cried after every game that I've ever lost in my career. Literally every game I ever lost. I lost the first game I ever played of organized football to the Westside Buccaneers. Um, I got to the game late because my auntie dropped me off late and there was traffic. I cried that game and all the way up through the end of my career. If I lost a game, I might not have been, it, it probably was by myself as I got older. But at some point in time during that next 24 hours, I was going to be buku crying, watching the film. What could I have done better? What could I, I could have, I could have worked harder. I could have did this. I could have did that. We love winning here at Locked On Wolfpack. Okay. That's who we are. So, you know, that's, that's just, you know, if you want a podcast with folks who are like, well, losing's cool. It's all right. This ain't the one. This is not the one. All right. Came in the wrong place. Exactly. Anywho, Wolfpack Nation, thank y'all so very much. We appreciate you every single time you come out. This show is what it is because of you all. Peace and love, y'all. And as always, go pack. Go pack. You are locked on Wolfpack. Your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.